6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck continues his teaching on the book of Psalms, chapters 61 through 68. And the posts of the door, that is the thresholds of the door, moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. So we, this is Isaiah getting a glimpse of the throne of God. Aren't you envious? Wouldn't that be something to actually behold? That's, that's what he's, he's getting a chance to see here. What is Isaiah's reaction with verse 5? Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He realizes, he sees God, he realizes how unworthy he is to be there. And we could just concatenate it all through the scripture. When people see God, they realize their shortcomings. And likewise, that was David's reaction here too. Well, let's move to Psalm 62, just to zip through these things. And if somebody says... This is the only psalm. What on earth? It's not the only psalm. There's 150 of them. No. The word only, it's a Hebrew adverb. It truly, only, and alone is the same adverb. And so this psalm has the word only, in effect, in verse 1, verse 2, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, and verse 9. And so among, among uh, scholars who have not better ways to spend their time, they call this the only Psalm, because it has only so often, see. So you can use that as a little quiz with your Bible study group during the week. I know the only psalm, <laughs> Psalm 62. <laughs> and uh, Okay, to the chief musician, to Jedithan, a psalm of David. Psalm 39 was also written to Jedithan, one of the chief musicians. And apparently he um, led the orchestra and the choir when this psalm was, was uh, sung. Truly my soul, the word truly there is the same word, it means only. Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, and I shall not be greatly moved. So defense or high place, okay? But there's, that's where the only echoes are starting here. How long will ye imagine mischief against man? Ye shall, be slain of, he, ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall ye be, as a tottering fence. Then only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies, they bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah. My soul, wait thou only upon, there's only again, see, my soul. Wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge. Uh, and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. 
Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. And by the way, the word surely there is the same word only again, by the way. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that the power belongeth unto God. This once or twice is a Hebrew stylistic thing. It's a way of saying repeatedly. There's a number of those things you find in the Proverbs and elsewhere. It'll say six things that God hate. In fact, seven. It's, it's a stylistic thing. You say, well, you make up your mind. No, no, that's just a way they, it's, it's a form of emphasis, if you will. You know, six things God's hate. In fact, seven. Let me list seven things. Anyway, it's a similar type of structure, uh, grammatical structure here. God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. And uh, boy, that's something that sounds a little New Testament, doesn't it? Thou renderest to every man according to his work. Is that Old Testament law? No, it's New Testament. 1 Corinthians 3, 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. I'm enjoying a book by Joseph Dillow. You know, it's interesting, for 400 years, they've, the Calvinists and Arminians have argued, once saved, always saved, or you have to persevere to the end. There's a middle ground that is, in, appear, appears to me to be very, very scriptural. Once saved, always saved, that's bulletproof, Romans 8, you can go on and on and nail that one. But then why did Paul who certainly is an expert on grace, live his life in, almost in paranoia that he might miss the mark. He that perseveres to the end. He, what he's worried about is inheritance. Being saved gives you entry into heaven, doesn't give you the rights to rearrange the furniture. Those that reign with him, you will reign with him, if so be that you persevere with him, that you're a partaker, a metakoi. And uh, so you begin to realize we don't talk a lot about rewards, but they're crucial. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be really upset when they're saved. They're going to get to heaven and discover, wow, did I miss the boat? They'll be crying. Their tears, God's going to wipe away their tears. Why are there tears in their eyes? Because they realize the opportunities they lost. You and I need to understand that our position throughout eternity is going to be a function of how effective a steward are we of the opportunities God brings us. You're not earning your salvation. Jesus paid for that. You're, I'm talking about people who are saved. You're saved, you're saved. He did it all. And, try to add, and to try to add to that is blasphemy. On the other hand, he's called you to obedience. He's called you to stewardship. And he's going to reward. The first Corinthians 3 talks about it. The beam of sheep, you're going to be rewarded. Most people don't take that to heart and realize that's going to be a big deal. And I think a lot of people are going to be crushingly disappointed. That's where the weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth come in. And so many of those parables that are a little confusing otherwise. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Wow. Well, anyway, let's move on to Psalm 63. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Here again, though, this is one where he's fleeing as a refuge. And, uh, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Is he thirsty? Absolutely. Is that what he's talking about? I don't think so. What is he thirsty for? God. It's a spiritual plea. 
That doesn't mean he wasn't also thirsty, but I don't think that's really this, that's, I don't think that's really his problem here. He's dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory as so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. By the way, that first line, O oh God, thou art my God. That possessive is, it changes everything. Is he really your God? Or is he a God that you just heard about? Is he a God that you maybe learned a lot about? No. Is he really your God? Um, there's an interesting thing that occurs in Matthew 22 where... Um, They've been asking, the lawyers were asking Christ a question. He, 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 he turned to them and said, uh, let, me, let me ask you a question. Uh, David, uh, whose uh, who's son is he? Uh, uh, the Messiah, whose son is he? He's the son of David. Right. They said, okay. Then how can David, and he quotes Psalm 110, how can David say, my Lord? And he, how can he be David's Lord and be a son of David? And they couldn't answer that. And his whole, and, and from that point on, they didn't ask him any more questions. The whole thing hangs on a yod, which is a little like an apostrophe. The word Adonai with a yod makes it possessive. How can David say, my Lord, if he's David's son? They, they couldn't handle that. And I think you know, it's interesting. You know, Jesus said, not one yard or one tittle shall pass on law till all be fulfilled. And here's the case with that yod. Won the argument. They, they were to put him to totally, totally confused. Well, here again we have, oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because of love, thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. That's quite a statement. Thy loving kindness is better than life itself. To have God's enduring mercy. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Many of you sing this as a chorus. We used to sing it at Calvary all the time, right? My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. And they did have night watches. That from sunset to 10, and from 10 till 2, and from 2 to sunrise. So that's, he may be referring to military watches or just in a restless night, whichever. Because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. There's that idiom again. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. There's his right hand again. I think that's interesting. But those that seek my soul to destroy it, it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Every one that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. David's asking God to deal with his enemies. And he did, by the way. 2 Samuel 18, verses 6 through 8, deals with that. He asked for it, and he got it. Okay, one more. 
Psalm 64. This is a, quite a psalm. It deals with the battle of life itself. The battle of life itself. Napoleon had an interesting, there's an interesting quote here that came across from Napoleon. The first quality for a commander-in-chief is a cool head to receive a correct impression of things. He should not allow himself to be confused by either good or bad news. The same thing is said in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Chronicles 12:32. To be like the sons of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel had to do. It's this kind of attitude that motivates our activities within the Koine Institute to monitor the strate strategic horizon, strategic trends, to try to understand not the propaganda, not the thing, not the party line, not the uh, the uh, deliberate shaping of opinions by the media. No, no, find out what's really going on. And Napoleon summarized the same thing. You know, first quality for a commander in chief is a cool head to receive a correct impression of things, a valid strategic perspective. I would add, he should not allow himself to be confused by either good or bad news. So let's take a look at this. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who whet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words, Ooh. that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying snares privately. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. These are bad apples. You know any of those? This, is, this, this whole behavior lines up with Satan's strategies. See, as a lion, he comes to devour, right? 1 Peter 5, 8, right? As a serpent, he comes to deceive. That's his basic schema, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 11, first four verses. Accusation is a chief weapon of him. I'm always fascinated with these radio personalities that their basic marketing strategy is to, is to accuse the brethren. They spend all their time on the air attacking other Christians with whom they have a difference of opinion. That's called accusing the brethren. I know where that comes from. There's a procedure if you have a difference of view. The first thing you do is to talk to the person about it. But going around in public display and, and calling people you disagree with, heretics and all that, is serving the enemy not serving the cause of Christ. Some of these guys are self-defeating because they, their arrogance is their primary badge. And uh, when they die, wisdom will die with them, you would seem, right? Now David compared the enemy's activities here, he compared their tongues with swords. And he compared their words with poisoned arrows. He did that in the previous psalm. He's doing it here again. But he continues. 
But God shall shoot at them with an arrow, and suddenly they shall be wounded. So they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. You know, it's interesting how often God uses their own stratagems against them. The traps they set for somebody else, they fall into. Remind you of Haman with his so-called gallows and Esther for Mordecai. Who, who was the first to hang on Haman's gallows? Haman was. And then his ten sons also. It wasn't a gallow, by the way. It was, a, it was a, impaled on a, on a cross. But that's a translational issue. Anyway, they, they, they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. All the men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him. And all the upright in heart shall glory. Are you upright in heart? Then you're going to share his glory. Okay. I'll take another, a lot of these little ones, so that we'll knock them off here. This is the first of four Psalms that focus on praising the Lord for his manifold blessings in nature and his gracious dealing with his people. Two themes will be woven here. His blessings in the creation itself and his particular graciousness in dealing with his people. Psalm 65 is the first of four that do this. To the chief musician, a psalm in the Song of David, he begins, Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. You know, that's interesting. That's millennial. That's going to happen in the millennium. There's going to be a temple in Israel that all flesh will go there. Gentiles too. Many people don't Had a workman come to the house and he happened to notice that we have a masusa on the front door. He says, what is that? I see that around. What is that? It's a Jewish thing, isn't it? I said, yes. That's what you, in any Jewish home you'll find that. Are you Jewish? No, we're not Jewish, but the God we worship is. I want him to be welcome here. <laughs> he did not deal with that, you know. Christ is Jewish. If he's going to come here, I want him to feel comfortable. You know, there's a mezuzah. You know. I don't think he's Talmudic, but that's okay. Anyway. All flesh, unto thee shall all flesh come. That's a prophecy. Iniquities prevail against me as for our transgressions. Thou shalt purge them away. Praise God for that. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causes to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Wow, there's a, this is a theologically provocative verse. Because here's a person that God chooses that will do, dwell in his courts and in God's house. Now, this raises sort of the question that comes up when you study Revelation, when you find this peculiar group of people that are kings and priests. In Israel, they weren't kings and priests. The kings were of the tribe of Judah, and the priests were of the tribe of Levi, and they were not to cross. The king could not go in the, the tabernacle or in the temple. And the Levites really weren't in the, in the court either. So in, but here... This is talking about something that, again, I think, I see it uh, dispensationally provocative because it's talking about Revelation 5 and following. Anyway, David continues, By terrible things in righteousness wilt thou answer us, 
O God of our salvation, who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are afar off upon the sea. As an enabled coming guy, I like that, verse 5, you know. Okay. Which by his strength setteth fast the mountains being girded with power, which stilleth the noise of the seas and the noise of their waves and the tumult of the people. They also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid at thy tokens. Thou makest the outgoings of the morning and evening to rejoice. Thou visitest the earth and waterest it. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. Thou blessest the spring thereof. This is giving God credit for everything that we have, in effect. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness, and thy paths drop fatness. The word crown of the, crown of the year, Rosh Hashanah is the chief of the year, the, for New Year. Some scholars think that this is an allusion, in effect, to the beginning of the year in the fall, for a lot of different reasons, but that is one of the, the, crown, the, the, the crown of the year suggests Rosh Hashanah. But anyway, uh, across the year with thy goodness and thy paths drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered over with corn. They shout for joy. They also sing. That's kind of neat. Little praise psalm. Let's go to Psalm 66, Okay. To the chief musician, a song or psalm, make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say unto God, how terrible, or awesome might be a better term, how awesome art thou in thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. Selah. Are they doing that yet? I don't think so. <laughs> That's yet coming. That's millennial, if you will. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome. It says terrible here, but I think awesome is perhaps a better translation. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. There did we rejoice in him. He ruleth by his power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves, Selah. Wow. Oh, bless our God, ye people. Make the voice of his praise to be heard, which holdeth our soul in life and suffereth not our feet to be moved. For thou, O God, hast provided, proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou broughtest us into the net. Thou laidst affliction upon our loins. Thou caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. How quick we are to promise things when we're in trouble, huh? Yeah. They were saying he's going to make it good. I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings, with the incense of rams, I will offer bullocks with goats, Selah. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. 
If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me, he hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Precious, precious verses. Now where is the Christian's bar of soap? Remember 1 John 1, 9 says the same thing from the New Testament perspective. If we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's his faithfulness that we count on, not ours, his. If I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to, to forgive my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. First John 1 John 1.9, that's the Christian's bar of soap. But we'll move on here. Psalm 67. Now this brief psalm also mentions all nations, so it fits with the previous two, 65 and 66. To the chief musician on the Niganoth, that's a stringed instrument, a uh, psalm or song. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon his. Well, that's a, that, that echoes the famous Old Testament benediction, number 6, verses 24. The Lord bless thee and keep thee, Lord, to make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee, Lord, lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. So number 6, 24 to 26, it has that echo. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. That thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health among all nations. See, this is not Israel. This is everybody. Interesting. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations, there again, it's Gentile. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth. Selah. Has that happened yet? Not so you'd notice. No, that's yet coming. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Psalms. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. Or you can call us on 1-800-KHOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. Music